tonight, I thought we could preach, we could do something. I thought I'm gonna do it a little bit differently. You know, we have lots of stories in this church. You know, Jesus isn't, you know, kind of like this doctrine. Right? Jesus isn't this kind of religious service. Jesus walks and talks with us. Jesus is real. Tonight we saw these people just getting emotional, not because they're in front of a crowd, but because Jesus was real. They're standing and talking about someone who's actually impacted their lives. So tonight I thought, let's continue with that. Let's continue hearing stories, testimonies of what God has done. So in a moment, I'm gonna ask three people to come and they're gonna share just a story. One's gonna share a story of healing, of how God came into her life and healed her. Another is gonna come and tell a story of overcoming, of how there were things that were going on and that God gave her an overcoming power. And the third lady is gonna come and she's gonna speak to us about achievement, about something that God used her with and she achieved something pretty darn amazing, pretty wonderful. And so we're gonna hear three stories. None of them are gonna sit there and say, well, it's all about me. They're gonna talk about God. And one of the reasons it's powerful is that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't go, well, I just happen to like her more than someone else, so I'm gonna heal her. Or I just like her more than someone else. I'm gonna see she overcomes. I just like her more than someone else. I'm just gonna see that she does really amazing things in her workplace. No, God is not a respecter of persons. If He's gonna do it for them, He's gonna do it for you. The enemy hates testimonies. The Bible says that a testimony is as powerful as the blood of Jesus. It overcomes the enemy. And so tonight, if you need healing, be encouraged. Tonight, if you're dealing with something, be encouraged. Tonight, if you wanna see something achieved in your life, be encouraged because as God has done it for one, He's gonna do it for you. So I'm gonna ask Fiona to come and she's gonna share tonight a powerful story. Thank you. And then they're gonna introduce each other. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, can I just say anything I share, just for, to give glory to God tonight. Um, even the bits I didn't like, I would like that still to give glory to God. Um, so my story is basically in 2017, I had had probably a year to two years prior of pain. Intermittent, severe, crippling pain. Um, my esophagus was um, severely in pain. My stomach was in pain. I was struggling to go to work. I would go to work, I would push through the pain. Um, after about a year of tests and going to see different specialists, I was diagnosed with something called eosinophilic esophagitis. I feel if you're gonna get something, get something, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, and they call it EOE for short. But basically what that means is the white blood cells or the eosinophils that are not meant to be in your esophagus, mine migrated up there. They thought they'd hang out there for a little bit. Now the problem with that is it causes inflammation, it causes damage of the esophagus, and it causes one hell of a lot of pain. I like to call it my angry esophagus. <laughs> so when people would say, how are you doing? It would be, yeah, my esophagus is a little angry today. A flare-up of pain could come on um, certain foods. 
Sometimes I could eat one food, it would be fine. I could eat the same food two days later and I would end up doubled over in pain. I could get a flare-up of pain because of stress, because of anxiety. And when I'd get a flare-up of pain, it would last about four to five days and I would need to be on endone for about two or three of those just to manage the pain. And I could get about two to three flare-ups in a month. I would be doubled over in pain. My family would have to um, walk me up to bed because I'd usually be stubborn. They would drug me like every family member should. And they would sit beside me and they would pray. And they would pray for the pain to go and they would pray for me to be healed. There were days when it was so bad when I was at work that I would actually have to leave work early and I would ring Stephen on my drive home, my gorgeous husband, and I would cry the whole drive home because I didn't think I was gonna make it home. And he would be on the phone desperate going, do I come meet you somewhere? Do I pick you up halfway? I would make it home and he would put me to bed. I remember praying for God to heal me, especially in the early days of pain. And I would pray and I would pray and God was always very, very clear and he would say no. Which I thought was a bit rough really, really. No, like maybe later, but no. Can I tell you, I believe that God was being so gracious to me in that no. Because instead of sitting there waiting for my healing, I actually spent the time trying to really understand what was causing the pain. I learned that I was able to recognise that when I was really stressed or really anxious, the pain would get worse. I learned that people pleasing caused my pain to get worse. I was swallowing a lot of hurt, I was swallowing a lot of anger, and I wasn't dealing with all the things that I needed to deal with so I could be healed. I believe if God had healed me when I first asked, I would not have recognised these things about myself and I would not have learned how to manage them. Two years into my diagnosis, I thought I'll give it a go again. Father God, can you please heal me of this pain? I don't want it anymore. And God said very clearly, not yet. I thought, I've still got some work to do. A year later, and I received my long-awaited soon. God said, soon. And I was so excited. I was going to be pain-free soon. This was about mid-2020. If any of you ever ask God and he says soon, ask him what he means by soon. (laughs) Because his soon and my soon were not the same. It wasn't till mid-2021 that I felt so strongly in my spirit that God was going to heal me by the end of that year. I was gonna be pain-free by the end of 2021. I stood on that word. I thanked him for that word. I thanked him for that healing that was coming by the end of the year. I told anybody who would ask me, it's okay, I'll be pain-free by the end of the year. Through November, I had pain. Through December, I had pain. 2021 turned into 2022, and the pain came along with me for the ride. I knew I'd heard God right. I hadn't mistaken him. I knew he was gonna heal me. During all my pain, I stood firmly on Jeremiah 30, 17. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. I had it on my phone. I had it everywhere I could see it. 
he will heal me. What's really bad about during that time was every time the pain happened and I was at church, I would actually come forward for prayer. And every time I went forward for prayer, the pain got worse. And I couldn't understand it. It did not make sense. You said soon, Lord. Yet I still trusted him. I continued to take my medication. I continued to manage how I dealt with my stress. I became bolder in who I was, both as a person and in my walk with God during this time. I learned to swap swallowing my hurt and my anger. I learned to use my voice. And I learned that, if, that even if God never took away my pain, I would be okay because he still loved me and he was a good, good father. So on New Year's Eve last year, we, as a church, had a, a call to prayer night. And um, we had people at our house, so I wasn't intending to go, but it was quite nice. Everyone kind of left at 10, and we had the house to ourselves. And Stephen and I chose to do prayer over the turn of the year. And we stood there. What we did in that moment was we prayed an even if prayer. Even if you don't take the pain away, Lord, it's okay. Even if it wasn't the end of last year, even if it's not the end of this year, Lord, you still have me. Even if the pain continues. So on January 15th of this year, we had Corey Turner come and preach at Morayfield in the morning and it was a great message and I loved it and I thought, I'm going, I'm going to the night service. As I went to leave the house that night, just casually, Stephen calls out, if there's an altar call for healing, you should go up. <laughs> and being cheeky, I went, if he says for people to come forward for their angry esophagus to be healed, I'm there. Not a problem. Stephen gave me a look. I went, fine. If he says digestive issues. In the meeting, Corey called for people with stomach pain to raise their hand for healing. I did not. But then, just because, he paused and he said, actually, no, people with digestive issues. <laughs> By this stage, I have my daughter Taryn standing behind me, poking me. <laughs> okay, you will be going forward. <laughs> I went up to the altar and I was prayed for. And as I stood there in tears, I clearly heard God ask me, are you ready to surrender your pain now? I gave a resounding yes, Lord, I'm ready. And I was actually ready. Pastor Joe came over to me and between him praying and my beautiful children praying, I could no longer stand up. I ended up on the floor. I felt something pushing so hard into my stomach, causing me to feel such pain. And then all of a sudden, a huge release. The pain was gone. And I knew that I knew that I knew I'd been healed. I would love to tell you that since that day, I haven't had any pain. That would be you know, a nice little bow on top, but that's not always how it works. I've had pain twice since that day. I was healed on the 15th of January, 
15th of um, February, I got pain. 15th of March, I got pain. Each time I speak boldly, I was healed from this on the 15th of January. I surrendered the pain on that day and I surrender it again now. And each time within less than a minute, my pain disappears. It is no longer mine to keep. God asking me to surrender my pain to him meant for me that it had been serving a role in my life and I needed to be willing to let it go, to let him to step into that role. Jeremiah 30, 17 allowed me to stand firmly on restoration, healing and wholeness. But my even if prayer with Stephen that night, that was complete surrender to God's will for my life. And then God being an ever gracious, ever loving father, he then asked me to surrender that last bit. He asked me to surrender something that was fulfilling a purpose in my life, not good for me, but still meeting a need, to allow him to step into that. There is now more of me or more of him and less of me and I will be eternally grateful. I'm blessed now to be able to introduce Jade. Okay, guys, don't need it anyway. Um, that was cool. That was really cool. I have, like, I've seen when you've had those flare-ups and I just wanna honour Fiona and her like endurance and perseverance through that whole thing. Like, I think it's really cool. And it was really cool to see that happen for you. And I remember crying when you told me. I was like, whew, that's great. That's the right person. Um, I'm gonna start a timer, because I'm not gonna <laughs> keep track. Um, so those who don't know me, my name is Jade. Um, I have been at Emerge for, three and a half years, four years now. Um, so I still feel new in some ways and I still feel like a part of the family in other ways too. So it's, it's really cool. I love, I love Emerge Church. Emerge Church is my second family um, and they are such a blessing to me and I really appreciate like the pastoral team and always. Um, but tonight I'm gonna talk to you about an experience I had in high school um, that I hope not only encourages teenagers in the room here, um, but everyone in your own ways, in your workplaces and schools and everywhere you go and you talk to people. Um, so this is, I also wanna preface, and I want you to keep in mind that as I speak, that this isn't actually my story. This is a role I had the honor and privilege of being able to play in someone else's life. Um, but how far they have gotten in their relationship with God and where they're at now is totally dependent on how they pursued Jesus themselves. And I wanna honour them for that and I wanna honour their story. Um, so this person will remain anonymous for this reason because I wanna honour her as much as possible. Um, but I want you to know that I'm not sharing her story of coming to Jesus, I'm sharing how I introduced her to Jesus. And I'd hope you'd feel encouraged by that. And I just want you to keep that in mind that as I speak, um, that I'm not telling her story, I'm telling mine. Um, so nine years ago, I moved to Australia. Woo. 
I'm from Auckland. Okay. <laughs> I'm going back soon, so I'm really excited. Um, just for a visit, guys. I'm coming back. It's okay. Um, but, yeah, I moved over here. I was two weeks shy of my 14th birthday. I remember being really annoyed at mum and dad for that. Um, because I got here and they were like, here's your birthday present, a mattress. Um, no, I'm kidding, guys. They love me. They love me. They love me. They got me a lot of good stuff. It was great. Um, I think they had pity on me, really. <laughs> so I got to, like, yeah, anyways, butter them up a little bit. Um, I'm the eldest of six kids, and I love that. I think a couple of them are here. I know Abby's here. Is Zazar here? Yeah. Okay, cool. Anyways, so half of us are here. Um... So I went to school and I was that lonely Kiwi girl that was like, I don't know anyone. This is weird. Everyone talks funny. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that accent. Um, I also like would answer questions in school and I realised that the teachers didn't actually understand me. So I would just say whatever and I'd get it right. It was great. Um, I got to become the teacher's pet real quick. It was good. Um, but I want to tell a story about uh, how I introduced my friend to Jesus. And I think there was, there was a lot of fear involved. There was a lot of, like, anxiety with it as well. Because um, it's not easy talking to people about Jesus and, like, telling them, hey, there's this guy, he's kind of invisible, but you should meet him, like, you should talk to him. Um, and everyone just thinks you're whack, um, which is kind of true. Like, you know, people think Christians are weird, and if you know me, you know that's very true. Um, Jesus isn't weird, I'm weird. So just clarifying. Um, but I struggled at school when I went um, I felt very alienated and I felt very isolated. Um, I got called a foreigner and I got called to go back to my own country every day for a whole year. Um, to the point where people didn't actually know my first name. They just called me foreigner. Um, and I was like, I'm literally closer than Perth, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I... Um, anyways, just scrap that. Um, <laughs> Um, so it was hard for me and I had to deal with a lot of bullying in that sense that people just didn't really know how to talk to me or how to welcome someone in that isn't from their place and talks funny, acts funny, like, and I thought they were funny. Um, it's a bit awkward when you're the only one that thinks everyone else is funny because it's just kind of like, yeah, you're the weird one. Um, and I, I struggled with that and I struggled to make friends, but... This particular person just came up to me and was like, hey, you're new, right? And I was like, yes, I am. And she was like, hey, I've got a, like, a friendship circle. If you want to come sit with us. And I was like, well, of course. Um, I don't want to be that loner on the bench over there. Um, so she welcomed me in with open arms. And I just want to like, say that she is always like that. And she still is. She's very generous and a very beautiful person. Um, and I feel very honoured to be able to call her a friend of mine. Um, but she was sus, as all non-believers are, um, and as you kind of should be. Like, it is, yeah, it's interesting. Um, if you haven't grown up in church, you'd kind of think from the outside it's something random, a little bit weird. Um, but I really felt God just say, invite her to church, invite her to youth. And I was like, really? She's like, she's cool, but this is like my only friend, right? Like, it was not easy for me to get to this point. Um, so I was like, okay, all right. So I invited her, I was like, hey, do you wanna come to youth? Like, and she's like, oh no, 
nah, I'm good. I'm like, okay, cool, that's fine. I just go home, I'm like, well, I tried. Um, And God's like, and then the next week, God will be like, ask her again. And I'm like, okay, twice, that's okay. Um, Maybe she'll say yes. So I invited her and she was like, oh, I think I'm busy. And she wasn't really keen. She was really like skeptical and um, was suspicious of it all. And I was like, okay, that's fine. This is good. And then the next week, God's like, invite her to youth. And I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you're killing me. Like, I am sweating every time I go up to her. Like, okay, you can do this. Do you wanna come to youth? And she's like, no. I'm like, that's fine, that's fine, that's okay. Maybe next week. Um, And then I kind of got the pattern and I was like, okay, God, okay, God. So I asked her every week. And there were times when I would come home and I'm like, God, this is going nowhere. This, she is saying no. And sometimes she might say yes and then something will come up and she won't make it. And I'm like, I feel really discouraged and I am getting to the point where I'm actually getting really nervous and really anxious to ask her um, because I'd been shut down. She didn't mean to shut me down, but as like me, I just felt shut down um, and I felt intimidated and I felt nervous. Um, and that had nothing to do with her. Um, I recognise now that that was actually the devil getting into my head and just saying like, hey, you should be scared because she's just going to keep shutting you down and you're just going to keep losing a friend. Um, So I remember praying at one point and God just said, keep inviting her because one day she will say yes. And I was like, this is going to be like five years I'm like, I'm like in grade nine, I'm 14 years old. And I was like, I'm gonna be grade 12, I'm gonna be so old. (laughs) Um, Anyways, she said yes. Probably about a year later. I don't know, my timeline's really whack. Um, But about a year later, she said yes. And she showed up. And she gave me permission to share this story. But on the consent form, uh, it had allergies. And under allergies, she looked at me and she looked down and she wrote, God. (laughs) And I was like, don't you worry, that's going to change. And for like a year or two, she was coming to youth and she just didn't want anything to do with Jesus, but she was keen to like chat about it and she asked questions and she was like kind of open to it. I don't want to pay for anything. Sorry, I'm trying to come for the timer. Um, Sorry, I've gone over. Uh, She came to youth camp after like about two years of coming to youth. So we're about 15, 16 years old at that point. And I remember it was a Saturday night, the final night. Everyone that's been to a youth camp knows what the final night is like, right? Um, anyone that doesn't, that sucks. You should come. If you're too old, become a leader. It'll be great. Um, so it was that final night. I didn't see her all night. I was like, oh, I wonder where she is. Like, I should probably check up on her. You know, I'm the Christian friend. I should look after her. Um, And I remember just sitting down, it was like midnight, and out of the corner of my eye, she starts coming to me, and I was like, oh, that's her. So I get up, and I go to her, and then she's crying, and she's saying to me, Jade, like, he's real. I have accepted Jesus into my heart, and I wanna thank you for that. And it was just, it was a really cool moment for me. Because not only like, and this is what I mean by I, I introduce her to Jesus, like her relationship with Jesus, like you don't introduce friends to each other and then hang out with them every single time they hang out just to check up on how they're going. Um, like her relationship with Jesus is so cool. Like that's something else entirely. 
but I had the privilege and the honour of being able to introduce her to Jesus, to push through when Jesus was like, hey, you need to invite this girl. There were a lot of people at school, by the way. Like, I invited a lot of people. I invited my whole friendship circle, and they all came at one point. But this person was highlighted to me, and I had to persevere. I had to push through. And she is still a Christian to this day and she is still on fire for Jesus and she is pursuing for like higher things and awesome things and I'm just like so stoked. Um, but one verse I do wanna say is John 15 verse 18. Um, and it was one that got me through. It said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. I'm not saying that, she hated me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I felt alienated and I felt isolated. And God told me and encouraged me that the reason you're different is not because of your character or your personality, even though that's a bit weird. Um, it's actually me in you and the lack of me in the school. So... That, that was really cool. And for me, that was an overcoming thing. And I hope that that encourages you guys into talking to people and actually pursuing that prompting and that tug on your heart because there are people on the other side. As Pastor Mark says, you were saved for the sake of others so that others could be saved. So yeah, that's my story. I wanna introduce Danielle, who is gonna share hers. It'd be great. Hi church, um, for those who don't know me, my name is Danielle Skinner, um, I've been coming to Emerge Church now for about um, six years, six or seven years, um, and I also work for the Australian government, and I've worked for the Australian government for about 16 years. Um, I work for the Australian Border Force. So um, last year, I was approached um, by some of my bosses and asked to attend a conference at the World Customs Organization, which is in Brussels. So before I went, I approached Pastor Nina and Pastor Mark, and I just said, look, would you please cover me in prayer while I go? Um, and they did, and I think there was a group of people praying, so I just wanna say thank you for praying. Um, I really felt your prayer support, um, and you know, it was just amazing and encouraging to know that there were people praying for me. Um, so here I am at the, at the conference. <laughs> um, it was a hybrid conference, so there were some people online, and then there were some people in the room as well. And um, these are just some of the photos um, that were taken. That's the World Customs Organization. Um, that's me in front of it. <laughs> um, and that's just a massive globe. It was like as tall as me, so I just took a photo of it. I was like, this is amazing. Um, and there's some of the delegates there in the background. Um, that's me. Uh, presenting. So the whole idea that I went was I had to deliver three presentations um, to the delegates there as well as to the World Customs Organization itself. So there I am, there's my presentation, and yeah, away I was going. So um, I think there, oh, yep, there we go. So I traveled on an official passport, so this was all new to me. Um, I traveled business class, and so for anyone who has traveled business class, 
you can imagine. So I had to take a selfie. You know, I'm not good with selfies, but you know, I thought I'll take a couple just, you know, just so I know that this is real. Because this is just, you know, I just, it was like an out of body experience. I was just like, whoa. So um, that's, that's me. Um, and then the next photo, please. So this here is a photo of me and my auntie. So my auntie, my mom's sister, she lives in France. And I hadn't seen her since I was four years old. So the fact that I was sent to Brussels, you know, I contacted her and I said, hey, auntie, I'm going to be in Brussels. I can't come to France because I'm on official business. But if you can come, we can meet. And she was able to make it. So that was just something that God threw in there um, just to bless me. And it was such a blessing to meet with her. Next photo, please. Um, so this is um, at a place called Grand Place in Brussels. Um, and I was just amazed to see the nativity scene, you know, at Christmas time, because it was in December last year that I went, so everything was ramping up for Christmas. And just to see in the middle of Grand Place, which is like, they've got massive old buildings, and just to see a live scale, um, you know, nativity scene just in the center there, it was just such a blessing. So God blessed me like that. And these are just some photos of Grand Place just around the place there that I took. So, um, as I said before, like I was to deliver three presentations and those were training sessions and insight into some bodies of work that I've been involved in um, and we've been seeing some incredible results. Um, so, as you can imagine, this was incredible. What I didn't realize was the significance of this conference. So, to put it in perspective, the World Customs Organization um, is an intergovernmental organization. And what they do is they create laws and they create um, conventions um, at, at an international level. And what countries of the world do is they take that international law and base their national law off of what the World Customs Organization um, produces. So the World Customs Organization approached the Australian Border Force and we said, and they said, we need your input into these things. And my bosses approached me. So that was just incredible. I was representing Australia, I was representing the Australian Border Force, and out of my presentations that I delivered, they just were drinking every word. They were like, tell us more, what about this, what about that? They just were drinking off everything. And for me, it was just normal work. This is just my business as usual. This is what I normally do. But for them, it was just like, they were just amazed, you know? Um, so, um, you know, the world is looking for answers. And in this instance, the world is looking for answers. Um, when Pastor Mark asked me to give, you know, to share my story today, I said, yes, absolutely. You know, I always believe that God has a word for his people. Um, you know, the word of God is living and it's active. And we even saw it as people were getting baptized, how real it is. Um, but I wondered to myself, what do I talk about? <laughs> um, because most of the content I deal with is sensitive and therefore it's classified and it remains unseen. And so that word got me, unseen. Unseen. You know, God is moving in incredible ways in unseen realms. You know, when you think about how new life is created, when a baby is created, it's in its mother's womb. And the mother's womb is designed to be unseen, but that's where the miracle takes place. 
you know, um, the fingers form, the heart starts beating, the toes come together, you know, the, the, you know, the baby just comes together, comes alive, and in the fullness of time, we get to see that miracle. Um, in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 15, um, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation version, it says, you formed my innermost being, shaped my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, the unseen place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. When a seed is planted, the first thing that develops is the root system. And this develops in a realm that is unseen, underground. Most plants' root systems are designed to grow underground. And the deeper and wider and stronger the root system is, the better chances the plant has of producing fruit, more fruit, much fruit, everlasting fruit. <laughs> and when the root system grows deep and taps into a source of everlasting life, the better the chances of the plant surviving and being healthy, regardless of the elements on the surface. Those surface elements have less chance of affecting the health of the plant and the quality of the fruit that it produces. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. So today, my encouragement to you is this. If you feel in your life you're in a place that is unseen, unappreciated, uncelebrated, you know, you're performing those thankless tasks that nobody sees, Consider it a gift to be in an unseen place. It is a gift to be in an unseen place. Um, it, because it's in these unseen places where God strengthens you, matures you, steadies you, gives you the chance to find the source of his um, life for you, where he establishes you and gives you wisdom. You are seen by God. You are appreciated, celebrated, acknowledged by God, and applauded. You know, the world is looking for answers. And as Christians, we have access to the Father's heart for those solutions that the world seeks. So when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High God and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you have access to the Father's heart. And you stand out, and one day the world will come to you looking for answers. Thank you. Oh, who enjoyed those stories? Who feels encouraged tonight? How good was that? How good was that? God is doing things. God's doing some things in the seen places. God's doing things in the unseen places.